together. Miss you too, man. Good morning, RCC. I have missed you all. Thank you for your prayers for my queen and I. We were uh, traveling, doing lots of speaking this summer, five different states. We were preaching in either conferences or church celebrations or camps. And uh, it's good to be home. Amen. It is good to lay eyes on you. I've been listening to some of the great missionaries that have come through. Wow, what a blessed community we are. Amen. To have uh, opportunities, intimate opportunities like that, to speak to some of God's finest servants and to share with us what God is doing in the harvest. RCC, you should consider yourselves blessed. I'm glad to be here. I brought a lot of preaching in me. Amen. So I'm going to need to borrow some of those minutes I gave you away this summer. All right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. It won't be that long. All right? But I do feel like preaching this morning. And if you will turn with me uh, in your mind's eye or to the screen above to Luke chapter 9, Luke chapter 9, I want to kind of pick up where we left off. We've been preaching through the book of Luke to all of our uh, visitors who are here. Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to what I call the world's greatest church. Yes, a gospel church on mission as a community. Amen. And we're so glad that you all are here. If you are looking for a wonderful church to be a part of in the Naperville uh, area, look no further. You found her. (laughs) And we look forward to ministering to you and doing life with God together. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Uh, If you will go there with me, let me breathe a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this preaching moment. Thank you for my family. It's good to lay eyes on the church again. Thank you for granting Sharon and I and Aaron traveling grace and preaching grace. Thank you for bringing us home safely. Now meet us, Father, in this precious moment in your word. Open our eyes, our ears, and illuminate our hearts and minds, that we may hear what your spirit has to say to the church. Pray that you would wash us of our sins, for they are many. Prepare us to come to your table and reflect on all that you've done for us. And in the end thereof, we'll be mindful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, all the people of God said amen and amen. Luke 9, verse 28. Now it came to pass, about eight days after these sayings, that he took Peter, John, and James, and he went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, the appearance of his face was altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talk with him, who were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and those with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men 
who stood with him. And then it happened as they were parting from him that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. And while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. The word of the Lord. I want to tag this message this morning, a closer look at Jesus, a closer look at Jesus. Family, there's no greater joy on the Christian journey than to have an invitation from God to get alone with him and to see what no one else has had the privilege to see. You see, every now and then, when we pray, God, he has a way of pulling back the curtain and allowing us to get a glimpse of him like we've never had before. Today, that's what's happening in this passage. Jesus is showing a select few of the disciples what they too can look forward to when they pray. They too can have a deeper, intimate glimpse of his deity. There are three things in this passage I want to unveil for us today, and I'll need your help as you help me to preach through here. So let's examine the appearance of Jesus, the awareness of Jesus, And then I'll land the plane. Y'all know I like to do that, right? And looking at the announcement of Jesus. I'll say that again. The appearance of Jesus, the awareness of Jesus, and the announcement of Jesus. If you keep your Bibles open at this passage in verse 28, here you'll discover these words. Now it came to pass. At about eight days after these sayings that he took with him, Peter, John, and James. And they went up on the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the appearance of his face, it altered, and his robe became white and glistening. And behold, two men talked with him who were Moses And Elijah, and they appeared in their glory and spoke of his decease, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Family, when we come to this portion of the text, you and I get to see some powerful things about the appearance of Jesus at this time of prayer. The first thing we see is that in order to get to see what God is up to in the secret place, Brother Sherman, you've got to be invited by him to come along to see him. You also have to be his disciple 
I call this an invitation from Jesus to get together with him in the secret place. This, beloved, is a special call to participate with him in prayer. This is something sacred. This is something special. This is something holy, and only those who respond to the invitation get to see what God is doing in the earth. Oh, that's a good place for an amen. You see, I I do believe that all disciples are called to experience him. All of us who are followers of him are, are called to get a taste of this. And every now and then, he calls us all aside to come and look at the divine and get a glimpse of the Savior like we've never seen him before. That's why you go to prayer. And on this particular day, the invitation went out to Peter, James, and John. Why? Because Jesus desired to take with them, him rather, with them, with him to the mountain. These three brothers were going to get to see what the other nine disciples, Brother Norm, were going to see. So they went up, the Bible says, to the mountain. I'm off my notes here, but I think I'll tell you, anytime you go to prayer, you always go up. You never go down when you pray. That's why prayer is so intimate and so precious. While we ought to run to the building because it's a time to ascend before the throne room of God. I just might preach today. The Bible says they went up. They went up. Why, Wilson? Their Christian worldview of God was about to be transformed. And I need to tell somebody, when you get invited to pray, you should always go. See, you never know what God is going to show you or reveal to you about himself, his word, his plan, his deity, his creation, and even some mystery that you had no idea existed. You should never miss the invitation to pray. Why, pastor? Because that's where God speaks the loudest and shows you stuff that he doesn't show those who don't pray. I believe today that God wants to take us places in his word. I believe he wants to take us places in prayer so we can discover more about who we are and whose we are. I believe that God wants to expose the divine nature of his person in scripture. And prayer is the vehicle by which he does that. Can I get a witness? The question then, RCC, for you and I is this. Are you available for the journey? The question is, are you prepared to follow him in prayer when he calls? Are you ready to go where most disciples don't even frequent? The third thing I see in verse 29 is this, that it was in prayer on the mountain, wait for it, where he was transfigured before them. The original language here for the word transfigured is the Greek word metamorpho. It's where we get our English word metamorphosis from. You know the thing that happens to the caterpillar. 
That's what's happening here. The Bible is saying that when Jesus went to the mountain and summoned them to pray, he met a more food in front of their presence. His face altered. It changed. And his robe that he was wearing all of a sudden became white and glistening. This happened in prayer. It literally means to change, to to transform. And this is the interesting part of it because Jesus, as God, had already went through a metamorphosis. Remember, the Bible says in the beginning he was the word who became flesh, came down and took on a man's suit. But here we see him again, now on the mountain of transfiguration, metamorphosing again. And so what was on the inside shines out. What a beautiful picture of the brightness of his beauty and his holiness. His face was altered. His clothes became white and glistening. The fourth thing I see in here, Brother Hahn, is this in verse 30, that he was not alone. Mm. No, there were two other saints that appeared with him in the prayer meeting on the mountain. We call them two Hebrew heroes. They appeared with him in this transfigured state. Well, who were they, Pastor? I'm glad you asked. They were Moses and Elijah, two great pillars of the Jewish community in the Hebrew faith, two prophets who had served the Lord during two different reigns on earth. Now, this is interesting. It's interesting because they were both in eternity. This is an afterlife appearance. Okay, let me say some more. One had been kissed by death. That was Moses. The other was never kissed by death, but rather he was taken up by a fiery chariot. And yet these two men, while they served on earth, never got the privilege to see Jesus incarnate. But here we see them come down from eternity and they are in a transfigured state at this high and holy prayer meeting and they're sitting with Jesus. Good God Almighty. I like this here because it, it, it shows you and I what you and I have the privilege to look like when death kisses us. We get to have a transformed and transfigured uh, example here. I like this. And the Bible says when they appear to him on the mountain, guess what they're talking about? They're talking about Calvary, the death that Jesus was going to take on. See, they had heard the prophecies that the Messiah would come down and all of the things he was going to go through. And here they come to have a meeting with Jesus to continue the agenda of God. I like this right here. In fact, I'm blown away at knowing the intricate conversations of the divine. You see, every now and then, RCC, we get to peek through the veil of time. And God allows us the divine pleasure to learn things about his person that we never knew. 
Uh, Dr. Cho, I'm convinced this is why I need to be in the prayer meeting. You miss some stuff when you miss prayer in community. The lesson that Jesus gives Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration is all about his impending death, his burial, and his resurrection. We've looked at what was involved in the appearance of Jesus. Let's look now, family, at the awareness of Jesus. If you're listening, give me a good amen. The Bible says in verse 32, but Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. Ever been sleepy in prayer? Okay, it's human, all right. (laughs) And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory. Ooh, that's good. And they saw the two men, Moses and Elijah, who stood with him. Verse 33. I like this, Brother Josh. And then it happened, the Bible says, that as they were parting him, that Peter said to Jesus, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He said this not knowing what he said. Beloved, when we come to this portion of the narrative, we get to see what I call is the awareness of Jesus. You see, Jesus had transfigured before Peter's, John's, and James' eyes. Moses and Elijah have transfigured, and together, again, they're dwelling in this eternal state. Again, it's a picture of what you and I will be like and what we shall be able to do when it's our turn to leave this place. Secondly, uh, Brother David, we get to see our brother Peter, the outspoken disciples, speaking to this reality while yet living on earth, but being present in the state of divine bliss with the Lord of Lords. Peter is what I call aware and awestruck. He's filled with awe at what he has seen. And as a result of what he has encountered, he has what he thinks is a brilliant idea. He wants to stay in this place and dwell there forever. Listen to his suggestion. Jesus, let's make three tabernacles, three tents, three dwellings. He wants to stay there permanently. He said, let's build something, Lord. Let's make some permanent structures while Elijah and Moses and you are here. Let's hang out right here. Here it is, as the young people say, let's kick it right here. Let's do life together right here. He sees the saints of old, thinks this is great. We're finally together again. And for a brief moment, I think Peter escapes the pains of this old world. I think he finds total peace on the mountaintop with Jesus. Being in prayer with Jesus has shown him something he's never seen before. Oh, beloved. And because of it, he didn't want to leave that place. 
I'm glad we get to see the humanity of Peter there because his idea is not a bad one. It's just not the right one. Can I argue my case? Peter had not considered the mission of Christ. He slept through that part of the prayer meeting where Jesus was talking about, I got to go to Calvary and die. And he woke up at the end of the prayer meeting. Had he not slept, he would have known the agenda of God. It's not for me to stay here. It's to fulfill the plan of the Father. And here's what I noticed, Sister Wilson, love of my life. Every now and then, we too have these holy moments and inspirational ideas. Mm -hmm. Every now and then, we too have the feelings of, oh Lord, let us stay here forever. Every now and then, Sister Lydia, we too recognize the fact that we are in the presence of Jesus and would rather build a permanent dwelling or place on earth to enjoy his presence. Peter forgot that earth was a fallen planet and sin still reigned in the hearts of all men. Uh, Peter forgot there were nine other disciples down the mountainside, waiting to be with Jesus when he returned from this moment of prayer. But Peter, James, and John, uh, they were there, but they were not the only followers doing life with Jesus. Peter needed to be reminded in that moment that the journey doesn't stop here. There's a Calvary waiting for us and a ministry of suffering that we all have to go through. Can I say that again? There's a Calvary waiting for you, beloved. And all of us have one. Why? Because the Son of God had one. We've looked at the appearance of Jesus. We've looked at the awareness of Jesus. Let me land the plane now and give you the announcement of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 34 that while he was saying this, a cloud came. Somebody say a cloud. And they were fearful as they entered the cloud. And the voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. Hear him. When the voice had ceased, Jesus was found alone, beloved. But they kept quiet and told no one in those days of the things they have seen. Family, thank you for listening today. Thank you for praying for Sharon and I this summer. I've been looking forward to getting to this portion of the text because I learned some things here that really blew me away this week. When we come to this portion, we discover that right at Peter's comment, the father breaks through his thoughts to bring him back into focus about why they were there. The father breaks into the conversation with his divine presence. Now, according to the text, he showed up like he did in the past. 
in the life of Moses and in the life of Elijah by a cloud. You see the consistency here. The same way God worked in the Old Testament, he's working in the New Testament. He spoke to Moses through clouds. He speaks to Elisha through cloud. This is no ordinary cloud. This is what I call the theology of clouds right through here. It was a cloud sent by the Father to overshadow them. Can I say some more? God the Father was not the cloud. No. But the cloud was a vehicle sent by the Father to veil his omnipotence, to cover their humanity. The cloud was also used to escort his messengers back to glory and to transfigure Jesus back into his earthly state. Thirdly, here's what I learned. Here's what I learned, Brother Aaron. The cloud was sent to carry the voice, the voice of God, and speak audibly to the disciples that they might know the will of God the Father. Family, the appearance of this cloud is more than a covering. It's more than a scientific anomaly. But rather, it's a divine tool in the hand of a divine God who is speaking in the present, just like he did in the past. Here it is. Let me share this. Just like he spoke to Moses in the cloud in the desert, He's speaking to the disciples from the cloud on the mountain. Just like he gave signs to Elijah in the clouds, he's given signs to the disciples in the mountain. He carries Moses and Elijah away just like he's going to carry Jesus away after the resurrection. Clouds are used by God as tools all through the Bible. Fourthly, I learned right here, that God speaks to inform his disciples. You, you know what this is? What preaching is? Is God speaking to inform his disciples. Guess what he says? Jesus is the beloved son of glory. This is my son in whom I will please hear him. Oh, I got stuck right there in my study this week in preparation. Why? Peter, James, and John, you're not going to build three tabernacles here. It's not about you building something. Hear Jesus. That's the command. Hear him. Peter, James, and John, you can't dwell here. Earth is not your home forever. Hear Jesus. Jesus' words are Calvary, Peter, James, and John, about what you need to know. Hear him. Hear words of sacrificial suffering for the sins of man. They are the words you need to know. Hear him. Oh, Sister Maria, hear words of divine deliverance from up above. Hear him. That's what preaching is. Never replace the preaching moment for other words. 
Hear him. Hear words of divine deliverance from above. RCC, hear him. Uh, Let me tell you why this is important. Some of us today have to be reminded earth is not heaven, family. We are not here to desire to dwell here forever. I think we become too comfortable in our tabernacles. This is not our home. While we are here, we are to hear him. I lost my amens right there. We have to be reminded that the thoughts and ideas of men are not to be taken as words of deity. And that all we are commanded to do, Brother Will, while we are here, is to hear Jesus. Oh, I feel like preaching right now. If the church would hear Jesus, we'd love one another. If the church would hear Jesus, we'd feed the poor. If the church would hear Jesus, we would love the orphans. If the church would hear Jesus, we would take care of the widows. If the church would hear Jesus, we would visit the prisoner. If the church would hear Jesus, we would give ourselves to the work of the ministry. If the church would hear Jesus, we would love his body, the church. If the church would hear Jesus, we preach the gospel. If the church would hear Jesus, we wouldn't get caught up in partisan politics because they don't matter. If the church would hear Jesus, we'd visit the hospitals. We'd be better disciples. We'd turn the world upside down. Last thing I see in this passage is something I never saw before. My beloved brothers and sisters, the Bible says, When the voice has ceased, Jesus was found alone. But they kept quiet. And they told no one in those days any of the things they had seen. After the appearance, the awareness, in the announcement of Jesus, the disciples go silent. And at first I was like, why won't y'all tell somebody about this wonderful thing you encountered in prayer? And then I realized, sometimes, Sister Sandy, after you leave his presence, you ought to be quiet. Sometimes, after you leave the prayer meeting, you shouldn't use words, but rather just take it all in to enjoy the majesty of God. Sometimes I think we're too quick to talk too much. Sometimes I think we're too quick to mess up what we just encountered. Sometimes we ought to leave worship awestruck at what God just said 
what we just experienced, but we're too quick to tweet about it or take a picture about it or t- just gossip about it or critique it. I'm not talking to nobody. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. Sometimes we ought to leave the sermon quietly basking in the holiness of God. Sometimes we ought not try to explain what we saw, what we heard, or what we felt. Sometimes the holiness of God, it ought to take our words, our breath away. Sometimes we ought to practice the discipline of silence when we've been admonished by the God of heaven and earth. Why, Pastor? Because if we really truly have seen him, felt him, heard him, or been in his presence, then our content, our character, our composure, it ought to be different. If I've been in God's presence in the the sanctuary in worship, I ought not gossip before I get to the car. I ought not talk down about somebody before I leave the sanctuary. I'm closing now, but I found out why they were quiet, my brothers and sisters. They were quiet because the Holy Father has spoke to them. And this was their first time that they ever heard him, talking about the disciples now, from the cloud on the mountain, in prayer. And they had been with Jesus and the saints of old in their glory. There are no words like this, my beloved brothers and sisters, are no words for this encounter. Well, thank you for listening today, giving me a few minutes. I'll give them back next week. But because there are no words that can adequately explain what happened on that mountain, There are also no words to really describe what happened on that other mountain outside of the city of Jerusalem. You see, words can't really express all that Jesus did on Calvary's mountain. Words cannot really express, Sister Peggy, the love that God had for you and I. Oh, Brother David, he showed us some unconditional love on Calvary's cross that we don't have words in the English language to even describe. Words cannot express the love that he gave us when he died, was buried, and rose again that we might have eternal life. He died on that Friday. He was buried in another man's tomb on that Saturday. And early Sunday morning, he rose back to life with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And now he sits at the right hand of God the Father. What a mystery. No words in the human language can define the deity of God and what he did for us. I learned this. This demands, that very act in my life demands that every day I try my best to get a better look at Jesus. I want to get a closer look at him when I worship. When Brother Will and the team were leading us this morning, I was imagining God give us a closer look at you. Let us not sleep through worship. 
Let's not go through the motions when we enter the house for prayer. This moment is a time to enter into that sacred space where he desires for us to get a closer look at him. And I pray today that we would all desire to get a closer look at Jesus. How he walked, how he talked, how he loved, how he served. Pray for that type of walk. Talk. Well, I'm through preaching. All oh, y'all know that I, I like to sing a lot. On Wheaton's campus, I'm guilty of being the singing chaplain. I open every meeting with a song and try my best to close one, too, when they let me. But there's a song that was written by a lady named Patsy Cline. It's an oldie but goodie. Some of us old school people know it. She wrote a song called Just a Closer Walk with Thee. And the song says, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. And I'll be satisfied as long as I walk, dear Lord, close to thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. And then she said, when my feeble life is o'er, and time for me will be no more, guide me gently, safely o'er, to thy kingdom shore, to thy shore, just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea, daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord, let it be. What's your song today? What's your cry to Jesus in a fallen world? Do you really want to know him? Do you really want to see him? If not, I want to challenge you. Shift your mindset. And this year, as we start off as a family, let us have a covenant agreement that we're going to seek the face of God in all we do and all we say as a community. And all God's people said, bow with me for a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, thank you so much for the incredible gospel witness found in this book. Thank you for the challenge to have a closer walk and a look at thee. Lord, my prayer today is for that brother or that sister here who doesn't know you, don't have a personal relationship with you. My prayer today is that, Father, they would invite you into their heart. They would Lord, desire more of you and desire to be your child by the new birth and not just by creation. My second prayer, Lord, is for that disciple who is already walking with you, but who have lost focus, who've gotten beaten down by this world, who've gotten distracted by the sins of the flesh and who are just weary because they've taken their eyes off of you. My prayer is that you would draw them 
with your everlasting love and they would be able to have a closer walk with you. Thank you for the visitor who was here today and was looking for a church to call their own. Would you draw them to yourself? That's my prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said amen and amen. Let's prepare our hearts for the table. Amen.